This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Great to be back for another episode. It's pretty cold in Sydney at the moment. Yes, it's probably not the coldest place in Australia. Some would say it's rather mild. Luckily, my dumpster fire of a portfolio is keeping me warm. (laughs) Sounds like you've been waiting to say that for a while. (laughs) Actually, I just came up with it. Well, that's heavy for you, Ren, that your portfolio is going not so well. Oh, yours is going well. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't look. (laughs) I don't check. Show us. Uh, Today, Ren, we've got an episode uh, that's a lot to cover. We're going to be chatting about uh, what we're doing with our portfolios, um, having a bit of a chat about what's been going on in markets, um, Apple Pay Later, uh, and then towards the second half of this episode, it's not just the American stocks that have been tumbling. Uh, some of Australia's market darlings and have also been taking a hit. So we're going to be going through them and taking a, a bit of a look at valuations and discounted cash flows. Yeah, explaining discounted cash flows and reverse discounted cash flows. But before we get there, um, you may have seen that we have some billboards up uh, around the place uh, and also uh, some, what do you call the little little things in offices, mini billboards? Little things Screen. in offices. Ads. <laughs> ads. <laughs> if you have seen one of these ads and this is your first time listening, welcome. Great to have you here. Here at Equity Mates, we want to make markets as accessible as possible. We think investing is for everyone. But if you find that this episode has a little bit too much jargon, uh, we do have a companion podcast. It's called Get Started Investing. We're very creative with our naming here. Uh, And that is a back to basics, everything we've learned on the journey of doing equity mates. So please keep listening, head over, listen to Get Started Investing as well. We've got eight podcasts in the network. So there's plenty to listen to, whatever you're interested in, uh, whatever you want to learn. But Bryce, in terms of exciting news, billboards is only the second most exciting thing we have to talk about this week because FinFest tickets are live. That's it. FinFest tickets are live and they are running out the door. Saturday, the 15th of October, here in Sydney, we're throwing Australia's largest finance event. Over 25 sessions on the day, many experts uh, coming in from around the country to share their wisdom on uh, all things investing, entrepreneurship, and business. So it's not just a day of investing chat. There's going to be entertainment, bucking bulls, rainbow rooms. If you have no idea what all of that means, then uh, get excited because it's going to be an awesome day. Head to equitymates.com slash finfest to grab your tickets. They're only $47 
uh, and it's going to be a priceless event. Yes. Shout out. uh, We said to the team would shout out the first person that bought a ticket. And so shout out to Sarah who was up at the crack of dawn on Thursday and was the first person to buy a ticket. But look, we're really excited. It's going to be a great day. Forget everything you thought you knew about finance events. Uh, you're going to want to be there. That's it. A massive shout out to Stake as well, who are powering FinFest. Uh, head to hellostake.com to find out more information about them. But Ren, let's get cracking. Plenty going on in markets. You mentioned at the top that your portfolio is on fire. So let's start with uh, a bit of a chat about our portfolios. Yeah. Well, I think we get to June and everyone starts to think end of financial year. We actually had someone pitch us a concept of a week of end of financial year episodes. And the fact of the matter is, as investors, there's not a lot that we need to do at the end of the financial year. We Obviously, we have to submit our taxes, but we couldn't really think of a week of content that we could do about end of financial year. We wouldn't do it to you guys listening as well. There's only so many times you can talk about the uh, 50% capital gains discount before it's just boring. Yeah, But I think... um, it did get me thinking about what I'm going to do before the end of the year. And one thing I am going to do is take the opportunity to look at my portfolio, see those that are contributing most to the dumpster fire (laughs) (laughs) and sell them. Because if uh, if you make a loss on an investment and you claim that loss, you tell the tax office, hey, I lost money on this investment, you can offset that against a gain in future years or a gain in this current year. So yeah, our minds are on tax come June. And so I'm going to take the opportunity to sell sell some losers. Losers that you have no no longer have conviction in or losers just because they're down? Uh, losers that I no longer have conviction in. I'm not yeah. going to name names. Why not? Well, because, you know, the companies are filled with people and people have feelings. <laughs> so I think the important thing here is because some people might be sitting there going, you guys are hypocrites saying, you know, never sell blah, blah, blah. Um, and here we are saying it's tax time where we're going to get rid of some of the losers. I think it's important to caveat that it is uh, couched, I guess, in the fact that you have lost conviction or theses yeah, yeah. are broken. It's not yeah. just you saying, oh, we've uh, we've hit we've hit up some market turmoil, some stocks are down, I'm going to be selling to just offset some gains. Yeah. We should also be clear that if you sell something to get a tax benefit and then buy it straight back, that's called a wash sale, and the ATO do not look kindly upon that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. give it. Yeah, they don't. Um, if you want more information, we did a big Q and A with Charlie Viola this time last year on Equity Mates Investing Podcast. So just search for that episode. We took plenty of questions from the Equity Mates community about tax and investing. So we're not going to cover it all today, but there's plenty of information in that episode that still remains very relevant. Yeah. So for me, it's uh, take the opportunity to sell some companies that I don't have a lot of conviction in, some that I the thesis is broken or I've lost some money on. I had some cash just saved up that most of that has gone to work. I've put that in the market the last couple of months. I've been pretty excited. The There's been some real opportunities. Um, so I'm not I don't want it to sound like I'm getting out and going to cash. It's um, It's been a good couple of months for the old uh, brokerage account. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I've sold a couple. Uh, I'm going to name. Setire I got rid of. 
They, um, they are top of my list if we're, <laughs> if we're naming names. <laughs> Go to them um, just because I have lost conviction in them and, um, and a lot I of money was a lot, lost a lot of money on them as well. So I'm going to take that as uh, get rid of that before tax time. Are you, you going to hang on to your zip holdings? I never... <laughs> <laughs> I don't have zip Ren and I never I, I didn't I haven't had zip for a very, very long time. Uh, I'm not in any as we know, I'm not in any after pay uh buy now pay later at, at all. But similarly to you, I have you say like as we know, as if that's like something that is just should be known by everyone. Well, I think we spoke about it a while ago that I'd finally ditched all my afterpay. <laughs> we stuff. speak a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been taking the chance. Of course, I've just got my my usual um trip feed into some of the ETFs. I'm, I'm definitely loading up on some of the levered ones, um, but have been taking the chance to buy some of those just rock solid companies that I've um, been in for a while and uh, or, or ones that I haven't had exposure to and now taking the chance. Um, still loving my carbon ETF as well. But yeah, I'm not going to name names yeah, just because of- Yeah, I was going uh, <laughs> to say, uh, we might need to get a producer to uh, beep you out just for- uh, <laughs> licensing reasons. Yeah, but I'm yeah. not going to name names. But yeah, look, I um, similar, to, similar to you, I haven't deployed all my cash. I still want to remain a little patient in, ca- in case this is some sort of a dead cat bounce or, you know, things occur over the next six to 12 months. Um, you just said something there that people would be, why are you talking about dead cats? Because um, the US, we're mainly talking about the US market here because mm. the Australian stock market, the UK stock market, they've actually held up pretty well. But mm. the US has been brutal to start the year. It was down about 20%. The tech stocks were down even more, about 27%, I think. And then what we've seen since sort of mid-May, I think the 11th of May, something changed for some reason. Market's actually up a fair bit from there. It's up about 7%. So overall, um, the S&P 500, the index of the 500 biggest US stocks was down about 20%. And now it's down, I think, about 13% for the year. Uh, Yeah, it's down 14%. So it's come back a bit. And everyone's like, oh, what's going on here? Are we are we out of the woods? Um Maybe a, a strong maybe is is the point, but you mentioned dead cat bounce, which is a terrible name for an important concept. So explain that to us. Okay, well, I'll just explain what it means in an investing point of view. I mean, it, I can explain it. Well, it's so in it, from an investing point of view, it's just uh, what we're experiencing right now. It's it's a, a, a small recovery, I guess, or where it feels like the market has recovered from the bottom and is on its way back up. But then uh, it turns again and and goes even further. Yeah. Um. I guess is that what a dead cat does? <laughs> the idea, the reason that it's called a dead cat bounce, and I did not come up with this term. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the idea is even a dead cat will bounce if it falls from a great height. Okay. Right. So there's yeah. So that's what they're explaining here with the markets. Don't know. Do you remember a couple of years ago Peter came out with um how all these terms needed to change. And it was like kill two birds with one stone mm-hmm, needed to change mm-hmm. with like uh, feed two birds with one bread roll or something. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of, uh, I guess, yeah. like animal Political. animal yeah, cruelty. cruelty terms that needed yeah. to change. I'm surprised Dead Cat Bounce didn't make it on the list. So <laughs> True. that's probably got to be on the version 2.0 of the list. Um, but every major market downturn has seen Dead Cat Bounces. We did an Instagram post on this a little while ago, but 
Great Depression, there were, you know, it, the stock market fell 80% from 1929 to 1932. But within that 80% fall, there were a number of times when it actually went up 20% mm. and then it kept falling. Um, the 1973, 1974 crash, same thing. Overall big fall, but a, a like a, I think like a mid-teens percent run up and then it kept falling again. 2000, there were a number of mid-teens run-ups and then it fell again. And same with 2008 in the global financial crisis. There was a moment where the stock market, I think, was up about 20% and people were like, is the worst of it over? And then it kept falling. So that's not to say that where this is definitely just going to be a dead cat bounce because there have also been market falls where there have been like a 20% fall and then it's just recovered. Yeah. So basically whatever narrative you want to have in this moment, you could find historical analogies where it fits. It's mm. a dead cat bounce. It's a recovery. The point is we don't know. And anyone who says they do know, don't take their word as gospel. There's enough going on out in the world that uh, I'd be surprised if this is just my opinion as well and this is kind of how I've been thinking about it. The probabilities of this being the return to a, a bull run again on the lower side than yes, if that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's how I'm, that's what I think. Like it, the conditions required for it to return, I think, to a to what the bull run that we saw over the last couple of years. My my feeling anyway. This is just uh, I'm a gut. I'm a gut investor. You're a gut. You're very <laughs> driven by headlines. I'm, I'm actually. A gut investor. Uh, let me disagree with you. I actually don't think economic conditions are that bad. And I know people are going to be like, "Have you seen inflation?" And I, I get that. But outside of inflation. The everything actually feels pretty good. Does it? Yeah, like turn the stock market off, put that to a side. Unemployment, like everything is looking good. Like we're not we're not seeing like mass waves of business bankruptcy. Yeah, but like if you think, yeah, so like it could get worse. We've heard a few whispers just in circles that we're in that businesses are struggling to raise money and that they're laying people off and stuff like that. So maybe it's just- But economic activity is starting to slow. That's that's the interesting part. And then it's kind of like what's going to be the case in six months, not right now. Mm. And if economic activity slows, interest rates are high, no wage growth, uh-oh, stagflation vibes, then you start going, we're in a bit of trouble here. Yeah. 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 We definitely are seeing wage growth. Not, not globally. Yeah, globally. No. Nah. Well, in the US. The yeah. US is basically global. not here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here. <laughs> anyway, there was an interesting article that um, Dalio he's obviously uh, sat down with the yeah, okay, um, yeah. sat down with the he sat down with, with the Jeremy AFR, Grantham, didn't he? With, no, with the AFR. Uh, he also did something yeah. with our favourite perma bear. Perma bear, yeah. <laughs> Dalio reckons that rates will be back to significant lows, or not significant, but they'll be cut in a couple of years' time again. So let me ask you this then, Bryce: You think on the balance of probability? Ooh, things are going to get worse before they get better. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you going to cash? Oh, because I don't need I don't need the money. Oh, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, because I just have a seriously fat capital gains tax. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I just think it's against everything that I've, I like. I believe as an investor, like mm. the whole um, like this. This is just part of being an investor, yeah. and and I understand why fund managers go to cash in these situations in some instances because they have a mandate. They have investors that they need to like service. But I, I'm not. I guess this kind of sounds a bit silly, but I'm not trying to preserve my um, portfolio value as tightly as someone who has investors expecting them to do that. Yeah. Sitting in cash with high inflation rate and nothing, like it's still probably better to have it in the stock market. (laughs) Uh, There was a podcast I was listening to and they made this point that 
as well as all of the reasons that you don't go to cash from, you know, um, you miss the upturn a lot of the time. From a psychological perspective, if you go to cash, you become the most fevered, intense market watcher because mm. you're waiting for the perfect when do you time go back to get in? back in. Yeah. And I they made that point, which is pretty self-evident, but I just thought about my temperament and how much I would hate that mm. being like, is this the right time? Second guessing myself, not wanting to miss it, probably missing it. And then choice paralysis as well. Because yeah. you'd have all this cash and then you'd be like, oh, now I've got to actually figure out again what I want to buy. Yeah. And they were talking about these stories from the JFC where some people picked it perfectly. Like they they got out at the right time and they got back in at the right time. But then it created these really jumpy investors that because then the first, the year or two after the global financial crisis, like 2009, 2010, weren't great years. Like everyone was super nervous still. They were like, there was a lot of chat about a double dip recession and they thought things were going to get bad again. And then a lot of investors who picked it right the first time got really jumpy when all this double dip recession stuff started and then went to cash again and then missed the incredible next few years. Rookies. So it's just like no one can pick the market. No, no, no one can tell you what's going to happen in a day or a week. So mm. why spend that mental energy? Yeah. Uh, and I think I'm pretty happy with how like how diverse my portfolio is as well. Like, of course, I've got exposure to some of these tech stocks, but you mentioned at the top, like the ASX and some of the European uh, indexes as well haven't been hit anywhere near no. as bad. So, if, Well, if, if I mean, you, we always lament banks and miners, yeah. but in 2022, there's been nothing better to be exposed to than banks as interest rates rise and miners as resource stocks yeah. just go crazy. And this is just a classic example of diversification across countries and different economies. And if you, if you have decent enough weightings, you know, your portfolio can withstand in some way these sorts of things when particular parts of the markets are getting hit mm, 80, mm. 80% plus. But anyway, speaking of, um, let's keep moving through. Uh, we want to have a chat about uh, some of the fundies that are also getting hit, Ren. Yeah, well, we put a heading in our Google Doc here, who would want to be a fund manager? And it has been pretty brutal to for a lot of them. I think... Uh, Platinum, Magellan. So there was a uh, story in the AFR. There's been many stories in the AFR. That's their job. <laughs> <laughs> Platinum, Magellan, uh, GQG, Pinnacle, and one other are all down about 20% year to at least 20% year today. Mm -hmm. Good, nice one, AFR. <laughs> Tell me something new. <laughs> well, we were talking about that. Uh, before and your before we got on mic and your reaction was a lot stronger than that. So I guess <laughs> Well, I mean it's what's the story? Yeah, it's like the market was down twenty percent. Of course the market's down, down, they're yeah. down. They invest in stocks in the stock market. If the stock market's down, yeah the value of this their their company will Yeah, down. and i and you could probably talk about outflows and that contributing more and that's probably why they're down more than the market. Yeah, it's just kind of like no people are who hiring about oh Hyperion and but well, of course the Hyperion's one of the biggest growth managers in Australia. One of their biggest positions is Tesla and Alibaba, I think. Definitely Tesla. I don't know about Alibaba. I think it is Alibaba. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what do you expect to happen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then the so that's the I guess the the headline that we thought was a little bit, you know how you going was um all these fund <laughs> managers down 20%. It was like, well, of course they are. That's not reason to panic. That is just 
the industry they're in. But then there are fund managers that are down a lot more. And so the three big ones, Platinum, uh, down 37% year to date, down 80% since, since February 2018. Yeah, well, there's more going on there than just market crashes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Magellan, down 34% year to date, down 81% since February 2020. And then Pinnacle, uh, down 53% year to date, down 60% since November 2021. So Pinnacle, the story is really about Hyperion, as you just said. The Hyperion, uh, do we call them the Kathy Wood of Australia? Like, is that mm, the vibe we're going for? Maybe. Like, a, port- just, a lot mm. of overlap between those two portfolios. Tesla, Roku. <laughs> <laughs> just an, an, anyone's portfolio, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Platinum... And Magellan, the two big names. Do you remember when we started investing, there was all the value v growth debate and uh, Platinum, who was Kerr Nielsen's, mm-hmm. um, he's since retired, but he was a real value investor. Mm-hmm. And then Magellan was this upstart growth investor and Magellan's returns were outstripping Platinum and everyone was like, you know, Hamish Douglas v Kerr Nielsen, value v growth. I think it's safe to say Magellan definitely won that debate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, 2010s was a, a good growth time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel sorry for Platinum because for so long, value investing was unloved, but this was meant to be value investing's moment. You know, growth stocks sold off like Coinbase, Roku, Zoom, Peloton, all those unprofitable growth stocks get absolutely kicked to the curb. But they're still down 37% year to date in a value investor moment. What's the return of their funds though? Do you know what I mean? Versus the return of their stocks. That'd be probably interesting to see. I, I haven't looked at Platinum for a long, a long time. Neither. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep moving through, Ren. Uh, a couple of just uh, key headlines before we head to an ad break. I started the show by saying that I'd sold all of my uh, uh, exposure to buy now, pay later. But this week... Apple came out with an announcement. Not only do they have their new M2 chip and la di da da, new products as always. You don't, you don't know what this M2 chip is. Like, yeah. Well, I went to buy a new laptop and uh, it doesn't have the M2 chip in it. It's got the M1. But they are now entering the buy now, pay later game. Yeah. Apple pay later. There was this tweet that I saw that said, with every sentence at WWDC, which is the Apple's worldwide developer conference, mm-hmm. with every sentence at WWDC, Apple ends the dreams of a dozen startups. Yeah. Like every product decision they make, every security change, all of that stuff, their ecosystem, everyone is so dependent on their ecosystem. And I think us in Australia... We saw what that what Apple's sentence on Apple Pay later did to Zip. Yeah, well, I think firstly the fascinating thing here is the timing around this for me anyway. Like we saw PayPal announce a couple of years ago that they were getting in the game. We're seeing a lot of the banks now getting in the game here in Australia. Apple has finally come to the party on Buy Now Pay Later. With the amount of cash on their balance sheet, they could have easily bought someone. Zip's worth about half a billion dollars at the moment. Yeah. And Apple, what, have 200 200 billion? something, yeah. So they could easily- Forget the exchange rate as (laughs) well. (laughs) I don't think they're thinking about that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But um, they've decided to do it themselves, which makes total sense. They've got the infrastructure. They've got the Apple Pay. Like it's just, it just makes so much sense. And yeah, ending the dreams of um, many of these buy now, pay later startups and Zip which we all know has been hurting uh, 
over the last 12 months or so and there's plenty of people in the community out there who probably still shareholders and, and nothing gets more engagement on our equity mates instagram than a zip, than zip stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh look it, it took a battering i think over the two days following the announcement down 15 percent or so if not yeah. a little bit more so tough 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 times over there for zip uh now last thing uh before we get into uh, some of this valuation stuff. You've just put a note in our Google Doc. Inflation is everywhere, including business class flights, <laughs> which makes me think uh, I need to check how you're spending our credit card. <laughs> What's going on there? So the levels of um, air traffic, uh, international air traffic post-COVID is still only at 68% pre-COVID. pre-COVID. Yeah. However, business class flights are just selling through the roof and um, tickets uh, are now on average from like ex-Australia to London, New York, you know, wherever those, I think mainly those two flights are now on average 20 grand. What was it before? Up from 13 to 15 grand. Is that how much a business flight? Is that, and then what is first class? I don't know. I didn't even look at that, but I, I imagine- 30 plus? I have no idea. So what, like I, I'm, I Sydney never to click London or Sydney to New York, what, you, one way you're probably talking like two grand? Yes. And then 20 grand for business class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are so you getting, Are you getting 10x value there? Uh, I don't know. I've never what found are you business. Getting, like a better meal. And- Just constant service? A, a bed? It's, I don't know. I don't know. I've never done it. Um, I've, I'm, yeah, it's one of those things I'd love to experience someday in, in life. Yeah, but well, um, but you get what do you get? You get a bed, a bigger TV, constant service, good champagne, good food, nicer toilets. I don't know. Is that 10x? Oh, it's just like what can you do? Save the 18 grand and spend it on your holiday or your business trip. Yeah, well, if the business is paying, you're let's, not Let's put it this way. I'd much rather stay in the Hilton rather than a hostel than go business <laughs> class rather than economy class. You really? know what I mean? Really? I'm- I don't mind hostels. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty fun. <laughs> anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like- anyway, inflation's everywhere is what I'm taught is what I'm saying. Uh if you look if you're buying business class flights there, that was just very, a co- very uh, expensive. I, I know I know we shouldn't be criticizing each other's contributions <laughs> to this episode, but what did that have to do with investing? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Uh, don't spend. What it means is 20,000 compound over 10 years at 8% per year could be the difference between retirement. People didn't need you to tell them about business class flights <laughs> to know that inflation is here. <laughs> lettuce, iceberg lettuce is $12. I know. We, nah. saw, we saw green beans selling for $40 a kilo. I know, I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and now business, business class. class and now business <laughs> class flights. It's unbelievable. Anyway, after the break, Ren, we're going to turn our attention to some of Australia's market darlings that are also taking a hit. We've got REA Group, Seek, Zero, just to name a few. So stay tuned as we talk through the valuations of some of those companies and uh, we'll just hear from our sponsors. All right, Ren, we've spoken a fair bit about some of the big tech stocks that are hit overseas, but um, equally some of uh, the big tech stocks here, I guess you call them tech stocks. They do make up the uh, tech index here in Australia, stocks that have been spoken about many times on the show before. We've been lucky enough to interview some of the CEOs of these companies. They're also taking a pretty significant hit. REA Group. Yeah, well, we get criticized a lot for talking about US tech stocks so much. So we thought we'd talk about Australian tech stocks instead. Yes. (laughs) The Australian All Technology Index is down 34% year Mm. to date. So Mm. it has been a pretty big sell-off. And a lot of these companies are profitable. 
That's an important thing to start. But you said REA group. Let's also just quickly put that in context. The NASDAQ's down only 22%. Really? Yeah. So Australian tech, we've been hit hardest. Wow. Yeah. That is actually surprising. Mm. NASDAQ 100. So REA group, uh, we like to ask expert investors, what's the best company you've ever come across? I think Macquarie and REA group are probably sitting on the podium at the moment. People love it. Realestate.com.au, realcommercial.com.au. They've got some other businesses. <laughs> um, but down 38% year to date. Brutal. Brutal. Seek down 32%. Another company that is often spoke about spoken about quite highly, Zero. We use that here at Equity Mates. That's down forty four percent, and car sales is also down twenty five percent year to date. So some pretty significant numbers there. Uh, a couple of them have uh, worse than the market itself or the index itself, and uh, particularly worse than yeah the index over in the states. So then the question becomes: Are they cheap? Because for a lot of these companies, they have been quite expensive for a long time. And we thought this would be a good opportunity to introduce some some concepts. And in particular, one that we really like to use that we haven't spoken about in a while is the reverse discounted cash flow. Because it is a way to, rather than calculating yourself what the future of a company looks like, it is a way to sort of think about what expectations are built into the current share price, what mm. the market and what other investors expect for this company. And we should be very clear that all of this valuation work is more art than science, but it gives you some indication of what people expect for these companies. So before we explain a reverse DCF, I guess we need to explain what a DCF is. 25 words or less, how would you explain it? Discounted cash flow, that's three words. <laughs> uh, one of the most common tools to analyze the valuation of a company based on its uh, future cash flows Yeah, brought back to current day, what you're willing to pay for that yeah. cash flow now. Perfect. I didn't count how many words, but it sounded just right. <laughs> I guess the thinking behind this valuation method is if I was to sell you a dollar or if I wanted to buy a dollar off you today, what would you sell it to me for? Two bucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'd try. <laughs> so I think like if I wanted to buy a dollar off you today, the value of that is a dollar. Yeah. A dollar is worth a dollar yeah. today. Yeah. Makes sense. What if I wanted to buy $3 off you? $3. $3. Mm. That is, this is so far just super unhelpful yes. math. Yes. What if you wanted to sell $3, but it was a dollar today, a dollar next year, a dollar the year after that? So still $3, but spread over three years. Well, how, then much, how much am I buying that for? Well, I'd have to work out what uh, the dollar in year three is worth today. <laughs> yes, because if I had those all those dollars today, I could do something with it. I could invest it. I could put it in the bank and earn 1% interest in a savings account. Well, I'd probably earn 0.1% interest in a savings account. Mm -hmm. But for the ease of maths, let's say I could earn 1% interest in a savings account. So if I can earn 1% in a savings account, then the dollar next year is worth a little bit less because there's an opportunity cost. I could have made some money if I had it now, yeah. but I didn't have it now. I'm getting it next year. So I missed out on making that 1% gain. Yeah. 
And that's in a nutshell what the whole logic behind a discounted cash flow is, that a a dollar today is worth more than a dollar in the future. Mm -hmm. And so all I want to do is figure out how much money a company is going to make over X period of time. Generally, we sort of talk about 10 years, how much money they're going to make and then what's that worth to me today? Because a company that earns $100 in profit today is worth more than a company that is going to earn $100 in profit in five years. Yeah. In theory, it sounds easy. In theory, (laughs) it does sound easy. So the discounted cash flow is the mathematical formula to figure that out. It's theory, yeah. Yeah, to figure out that what the $3 paid over the next three years is worth paying for today. For a company, you take what they're earning, how much profit they're making today, you project how that's going to grow in the future, how much profit they're going to make into the future. And then you say, what was the discount rate or what was the return I could have made if I had that today? What's the opportunity cost? That is how much you discount the future earnings by. And then you let the calculator do its thing. Let the calculator do its thing. If you're an Excel whiz, you could probably do it in Excel. Massive uh, formula. If you're a finance nerd, <laughs> finance you can start ca- calculating beta yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, weighted yeah. average cost of yeah. capital. But uh, <laughs> let's keep it high level here. And basically what that gets to is a fair value. So the $3 that I'm going to get $1 this year, $1 next year, $1 the year after, if we discount that by 10% a year, then we say in next year, that dollar is worth 90 cents to me today. Mm -hmm. And then the year after that, 10% off 90, it's worth 81 cents. So then you roll that up. A dollar this year is worth a dollar. A dollar next year is worth 90 cents. A dollar the year after is worth 81 cents. So we're talking $2.71. So I would be willing, fair value for the $3 I'm going to get over the next three years is $2.71. Yes. Quick math. That's your stock price. (laughs) (laughs) And then, then you say, all right, well, on the share market, that share is trading for $2 and I think the fair value for it is $2.71. So back up the truck. I'm you rip up. up. You beauty. But if, it, if the share <laughs> price is $4, I say I think fair value, the value of that is actually $2.71. Yeah. Too expensive. Yeah. Find another opportunity. Change the inputs until it looks good. And that is... <laughs> Investing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, in, in theory, it's and it's such a common method for valuation with so many assumptions that go into it. Mm. You need to make sure that you've done the work to, to it all comes down to if you're predicting the cash flow over or the future earnings over one dollar next year, one dollar the year after, one dollar the year after, you need to make assumptions on how accurate that is going to be. And yeah. that's incredibly difficult. And a lot of people get caught up in the maths of it all, but yeah. like putting the the I think where the be, what we've learned is the best investors, the maths isn't that complicated once you understand it, but mm. it's accurately project yeah. projecting and predicting what's going to happen with a company, yeah. which separates the best investors from those that can do the maths. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a DCF Ren. Um, we then need to flip it all around and now that we understand what the discounted cash flow model is, the reverse discounted cash flow model, which as you said, uh, flips it around and rather than putting in the assumptions of growth, uh, it's going to actually tell us what is required for this company to grow. So with a discounted cash flow, we're trying to figure out what the right share price is. We're trying to figure out what fair value is 
what we think the share price should be or what we're willing to pay is. But what if we flip the assumption and said the current share price, what it's trading at on the market today, that's All the, good. That's the right share price. Yeah. That's fair value. Then we can say, well, what we actually want to understand is what the market expects as a growth rate. Yeah. What are the growth assumptions built in if the current share price is fair value? Yeah. And so then we can see what the expectations are for the company and we can say, well, you know, equity mates based on its current share price, based on a standard discount rate, the market expects it to grow at 4% a year over the next 10 years to justify the share price it's trading at now. But I know that it's going to go thermonuclear. (laughs) So I think the growth rate will actually be 10% and fair value is a lot higher. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. so you can just give you a chance to sort of see this is what the market is expecting. Do I think the company will do better or worse? Yeah. It's just another way to approach the same thinking. Yeah. Which one requires less work? That's <laughs> not, I don't know if that's the right question. <laughs> All right. So let's take a look at some of the companies on the ASX with this in mind. So let's start with big bad boring company Commonwealth Bank. Okay. Current share price is $102. Its earnings per share is $5.32. If we use the 10% discount rate yes. in our discounted cash flow. So do we want to explain why we use 10%? That's the average market return over. Yeah. And. X period of time. And if I was to put my money in the market, that's what I w- could expect to get uh, if I was to put it in there versus another investment opportunity. Yeah. The idea is if that if you're not going to get that return from your stock market investment, but you could get that from a stock market index fund, why, why would you, you do it? Yeah. yeah. And it's also uh, Warren Buffett just says he always uses 10%. And if it's good enough for Warren Buffett, it's good enough for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. May, maybe for you, not for me. Um, <laughs> so the current share price, at the current share price of $102 using discounted cash flow, 10% discount rate, the market is expecting it to grow at 4% a year over the next 10 years to justify a $102 share price. But seems seems reasonable. Four percent growth year on year. Yeah. However, I part- mean, four percent growth at this rate would be slower than inflation. Slower than inflation, and I just yeah, you're not seeing any stocks in my portfolio with four percent growth year on year. But um, over the past ten years, though, Commonwealth has had a pretty flat revenue and earnings per share has only grown at zero point four percent a year. So uh, it's actually the expectations are far beyond what it has delivered in the over the past ten years. Mm. Prior performance, no indication of future, of course, but that just goes to show the lofty expectations of the market. Yeah, that are baked into today's price. Now we should be clear that a lot of it. We didn't do this maths on Excel. Uh, there are <laughs> calculators online that no, you no, can no. We did it on Excel. for free. <laughs> uh, and there's one platform that we have used for this that is way too expensive to use, but you can sign up for a free seven day trial. Uh, it's called Guru Focus, and we signed up for a free seven day trial again. I don't know how many emails I've used through that. <laughs> oh my god! If you want to, if it, what about Ticker? It doesn't Ticker do the don't DCF, have it, but I am going to email them and set, tell them to build it. And Ticker is one of our favorite, if not uh, what we think is the best um, yeah. platform for sort of financial information on and filtering. On global stocks, yeah, um, stock transcripts, screener, information, you name yeah. it. Yeah, 
Uh, it's a fraction of the price of Guru Focus as well. And do we have a code? Ticker.com slash equity mate. Ticker.com slash equity mates. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Check it out. It's awesome. But T I K R. I T-I-K-R. should yeah, 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 T-I-K-R. Yeah. Um but don't feel like if you're like, where are these boys pulling these numbers from? We used an <laughs> online calculator to do the work for us. So basically you can you you can get the current share price you can get earnings per share you can get historic growth rates all of that stuff you can get from ticker so all of these inputs you can just get from you know a information service and we use ticker but then and then there's plenty of online calculators as well we said we're going to talk about market darlings rea groups so this is where come full circle we can see that rea group is down 38 percent year to date it has been whacked it is and, and then you ask, well, is it cheap? And this is where this DCF and reverse DCF uh, methodology can help us answer that question. So let's do the do the maths again. REA Group, its current share price, even after being whacked 38%, is $106 a share. Mm-hmm. Earnings per share of $2.80. Nice. Okay. So we're using that 10% discount rate, uh, we can see that the market expects it to grow at 21% a year, expects it to grow its profit at 21% a year over the next 10 years. Yeah, I think that's a key call out as well, profit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 21% what, a year for reckon, the next 10 years. Do you reckon growing your profit 21% a year over the next 10 years? <laughs> that would be epic. It would be. It's a pretty epic company. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think it's possible. Well, over the past 10 years... Uh, its revenue has grown at 16% a year. Decent. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. But its profit per share, its earnings per share has grown at 8% a year. Okay. So you say, look, this is an amazing company, incredibly well managed. It's exposed to the Australian housing market that just seems to be an unstoppable force. But the expectations for the stock perhaps don't align with its past performance at this current share price. Mm. So if you're looking at that, you you have to say, all right, well, the next 10 years will have to be better than the last 10 years. And then you have to say, all right, well, how's that going to happen? You know, it's pushing into India hard. It's got some other, it's got some other international expansion plans. I think even in the States. Yeah, yes. It's got yeah. it's got an exposure through one of the platforms over there. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you'd have to, or you'd say, you know, it'll push into an adjacency, you know, like it's got a mortgage broking business, perhaps that mortgage broking business will be the next real leg of growth. But that's, that's sort of how you say, all right, well, what does the market expect? What does this current share price imply in terms of future growth? And then do I have a thesis, does my thesis for this stock align with the expectations at the current share price? Yeah, it's an interesting one because there's no way that REA Group are coming out and saying our uh, f- forward guidance for the next 12 months is that we're going to be growing profit by 21% a year. You know what I mean? Um, this is the expectation that the market has baked into the current price. Mm. So you could then also say that make the argument that if their previous um, sort of 10 years on average, they've been growing earnings at 8% and next year they come out and deliver a 10% or 12%, then it's already above average for the last 10 years in the stock market will be like, yo, here we go. And I think when we were pulling companies out for this, it is important to note that the last couple of years have skewed a lot of these long-term averages. Um, There are a couple of companies that I just sacked entirely um, 
just because the last few years have been such aberrations with COVID and all of that stuff. So, you know, we, we spoke about where the rubber hits the road and what separates great investors from good mathematicians is not doing this, these formulas, but getting the numbers right, like getting your projections right mm, and accurately mm. forecasting what the future of a company holds. Mm. But it's also looking back and knowing what numbers have like weird aberrations in them mm. and, and what don't because sometimes the averages obscure two years of pandemic-related lockdowns where they made no money or something like that. That's just an important call out generally as well. So, Ren, one more stock and this one was uh, pretty amazing and it's Fortescue Metal. Yeah, so current share price, 21 bucks. Earnings per share of $3.90. Now, basically, when you do the reverse discounted cash flow, the market doesn't really expect any growth over the next 10 years. But over the past 10 years, revenue has grown at 13% a year and earnings per share have grown at 22% a year. What's going on here? What is going on, Ren? This is where commodity businesses, uh, it's difficult to just take long-term trends and just project them forward. It's crazy. Because Fortescue is in a great moment at yeah. the moment. Iron ore prices are incredibly high and anything it can dig out of the ground, it can sell for, I don't know, six times the cost it takes to dig it out of the ground, maybe more than six times the cost at this point. It's a good business to be in now in today. Yeah. But if China slows down, does that slow down demand for iron ore? If Albo can't fix our relationship with China, can we replace China as a customer with other steel manufacturing hubs? Because there's not a lot out there these days. Um, that's, I guess, the problem when you try and apply this to a business like Fortescue. Because if they can keep growing their earnings per share and stuff and revenue at the rate they have over the past few years, great. Yeah. Epic. But, but that's the but question. Can, can they? they? Yeah. yeah. And that, that's where your thesis might be like Fortescue Future Industries and hydrogen and well, stuff just, like that. But yeah. like that is incredibly unproven. So yeah. again, that's where the rubber hits the road about great investors making a thesis that is accurate about the future. Yeah. 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 Future, future tellers, future storytellers. Yeah. Got crystal balls. Yeah, future storytellers or that's where concepts like a margin of safety come in. Yeah. Where yeah, even yeah. if Just you're wrong about realistic. if you're wrong about the future, you've bought something at such a discount that you're okay. You're okay. Yeah. Supposedly. So make sure you check that out if you're interested. But Ren, look, it's always great to chat stocks. There's plenty going on in the markets at the moment. Make sure you head to equitymates.com slash FinFest to buy your FinFest ticket. They are running out the door. Spots are limited. It's going to be huge. Um, we're really excited for it. Uh, 15th of October. Uh, plenty of information is on the website as well. There is so much going on uh, here at Equity Mates Media across our network. Uh, Ren, did you have a favorite episode from the last week? So I want to. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun with the dive, and I think we should shout out. So this is our business news podcast, a little bit broader than just investing. And two weeks ago now, when this is released, we covered Mike Cannon Brooks and AGL, Justin Timberlake's hundred million dollar payday and Glencore's bribery cases. Pretty broad spread of uh, of topics. Um, we're having a lot of fun doing it. Come join us because it's, um, it's worth a listen. Yeah, it is worth a listen. And one of my favorite from last week was from C comedian V Economist, Ren. Uh, Adam and Thomas, they're brothers. One's a comedian, one's an ex-RBA ex economist unpacking the big macro stories. And uh, 
We've seen that lithium was hit over the last couple of weeks. A lot of people in lithium have been hurting. And so they're addressing it with uh, the lithium market meltdown. Is the future cancelled is what they uh, unpacked. So it's such an entertaining show. It does incredibly well. And uh, if you haven't started listening to it, make sure you do yourself a favour and go and give it a listen. All right, Bryce. Well, that does it for today. Yeah. Let's go put. Let's go make some money. Let's go douse that dumpster fire. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Catch up next week. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.